Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. time. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including media, food, tech, health innovation, arts, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them to your inbox. You can get one or two for free if you want more. Become a Taproot member. Then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks, for just $10 a month or $100 a year. Get information right now at taprootedmonton.ca. New book alert. New book. Last uh, week we did our final overview of A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. So if you've tuned in for that, go back an episode. <laughs> You're late. You've, you missed it. That's done. We've moved on. You've gone too far. Uh, and so that means that we're starting afresh with a brand new book. This week we begin with the prelude to <laughs> The Municipalists by Seth Freed. Yay! So the prelude is super duper short. Yeah, we were actually a little concerned because we had hyped up that we were going to do this uh, this prologue chapter that happens before the chapter marked one. And then Anita picked up the book and was like, are you sure this isn't a foreword by the author? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's really short. It's like... Two and a half pages long? Like, it's... it. Yeah, I was concerned. <laughs> uh, but it turns out that, no, it was not. No. It was, in fact, a prelude. And uh, so we weren't going to be talking about the foreword. <laughs> Phew. Uh, and then delving into chapter one from there. And I'll say right off the bat, I quite liked this prologue. Me too. It was fairly short and concise, but I think it gave us a really good look into the head of, I presume, our protagonist. I, yeah. I assume that as well, but I suppose it doesn't have to be, does it? So our prelude is mostly focused on two different train accidents. Well, at least it starts with that. Oh, yeah. yeah, it starts with that. And that is, again, it's only like two and a half, three pages long. So the majority of it being a page and a half worth. Um, but two train wrecks. Uh, specifically uh, the two deadliest train wrecks of long-distance trains. In U.S. history. In U.S. history. The first one happens in 1904, mm -hmm. and the second one, second place and second wreck, occurs almost 100 years later in 1998. Yeah, and our, at the moment, nameless protagonist uh, points out that had his parents not been on that second train, it would have been only the third deadliest train yes. accident. So apparently those extra two people push that number up a ranking. Well, and also makes it a very personal incident for him because his parents died in that train wreck. Oh, yes, obviously. Uh, um, he goes on a little bit about having dealing with that kind of loss and that kind of grief being 10 years old. So we, we know roughly how old our, our speaker is. Uh, well, we don't know the date that the book is set in yet. No, but we will. Yeah. Probably. He is speaking of it as though it was in the past. Yeah, and I'm going to assume that this novel takes place the day after tomorrow. 
Like, it's 20XX. Yeah, could be. Yeah, and... We'll find out. We'll find out. The interesting thing to me about this is actually the back end of this. Not so much the, the statistics about the train information, though the fact that he frames telling us about his parents' death by couching it in a story about train statistics, which is in itself interesting. Mm -hmm. But he really kind of gives us his worldview, like his ethos, how this shaped him. Yeah. And how he takes a sort of comfort in the impersonal permanence of buildings and institutions because they had nothing to do with this train derailment and there's nothing they could have done to stop it and there's nothing they could have done to save the people who were involved in it. And... The only tragedy is that they could have done something if the train accident had happened closer to an urban center. And well, that yeah. has turned him into a staunch urbanist. And his life has been shaped by that. In a yeah. Way. Like he works now with major municipalities. I'm going to assume in some sort of risk management role based on the way he just casually threw off train statistics. Yeah, this is speculation. We, we don't, don't know. We don't get anything specific. He he merely calls it his profession. Yeah. And and he basically lays out this staunch urbanite versus ruralite kind of worldview that he has. Where it, he's... It, and it's not that he's firmly against rural living because he's like, I can understand the allure for it. Like, from a logical point of view, I understand the want and the need to get away from people. Wanting to be out by a beautiful vista, away from busy city streets, not wanting to be shoulder to shoulder with mm -hmm. people on a train. Quiet and nature and serenity. But there's a risk associated with that. Yes, and one day you're going to cut your finger in the kitchen. You're going to fall down the stairs and there's nobody going to be there to help you. Whereas if it happened in the city, yeah. you're saved. <laughs> and An ambulance in minutes. Yeah. He is firmly on that urban side of the fence where he's like, no, there's safety in the cities. There's permanence in the cities that you don't get in rural living. And that's the side I stand on. And I thought that was interesting how how that train accident affected him and, and really shaped his whole ethos. Mm -hmm. um, I think his his starting with the rules and statistics and observations is a little important to his character. I would agree. We know from the blurb on the back of the book, which is, it's not against the rules to read that. We read it last Goodness episode. No, that's how we choose books. We yeah. read the blurbs. Uh, that he's a bureaucrat. So it, yeah. it, that makes sense for him to know statistics and mm -hmm. and such. Um, I also really appreciated the uh, the flow of the information that we got. It started with discussion of these two train wrecks, the mention of his family, and that flowed rather organically, I felt, into the discussion about uh, emergency medical services mm -hmm. between uh, rural versus urban, mm -hmm. uh, which flowed into the larger rural versus urban in general, Yeah, and led us to his, uh, not directly implied, or sorry, not directly stated, but strongly implied stance being very pro-urban and that's where it stops yeah and it just it, it seems like a weird thing to go from well because of train wrecks i'm very pro-city but it just it felt so natural <laughs> there was ironically this is not something that i uh pre-planned so i don't want to uh sell my wit short here but there was a train of thought about train derailments that Ooh. led to that led to a very natural conclusion yes and it and i liked it it flowed very well i agree uh it was we don't often talk about 
structural stuff in a book unless it really jumps out at us. We usually talk about characters and plots and themes and uh, discuss where the story is going. Every now and then, something jumps out which is just well crafted. And mm-hmm. I thought the this prologue, style of the writing, and I thought this prologue was really well crafted. It was yeah, me too. legitimately pleasurable to read, mm-hmm. and, and easy. I think that that speaks well of what is to come. I think so too. I hope uh, so. I would also hope so. I also, taking a step back from a meta perspective, was curious if this is this is the first we're introduced to this character, who we're presuming is our protagonist again. Yes. Um. And this is where his starting point is at the beginning of the book. Where will his journey take him? I don't know. Will his worldview be challenged over the course of this story? Will it be changed over the course of this story? Will it be cemented over the course of this story? I'm curious to see how that evolves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have no idea because there's no plot. Yet. Yet in this prologue, it's only character it's only character piece yeah and it's an interesting way to put us into the character's perspective right away Mm, it's an interesting start considering that this is not chapter one no this is specifically some manner of prologue or prelude or whatever you want to call it indeed antecedent sure (laughs) (laughs) um and it is strictly a character piece short sweet but packed with Packed with charactery goodness. It's, you know, it's it's kind of a monologue. Oh, if, it's 100% a monologue. Yeah. Like, I could I could see someone auditioning with that prelude for a, a show, honestly. Yeah, could do. Because um, it's written entirely in uh, first person. Yeah. It's it's very character-driven. Yeah. Right? There's You could pick a lot out of it. A, yeah. A good dramaturge could pick a lot out of that. Oh, yeah. And so could a good actor. Uh, I It's... Maybe that's one of the reasons it jumped out at me is because it's very, it's very theatery, and you oh. and I both have a bit of a theater background. We so. are we are theater peoples. So yeah, just interesting little bit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look I look forward to more juicy character goodness. Yeah, I'm I pretty think, sure it's coming. But enough juicy character goodness that out of those few pages, we were able to squeeze <laughs> an entire episode, <laughs> an entire if short episode. That's sometimes the case though with the first chapter. Yeah. We end up with a super long episode to uh, cap off the last book and then a bit of a short episode to whet our uh, appetites for the book to come. Well, this is what happens when you give us something short but very juicy. Yeah. Uh, if I may call back to our, our previous novel, A Memory Called Empire, we had those short interludes that were only, what, three or four pages worth? Not very long. And we could talk for an hour about them. <laughs> Because you just, you pack a lot in there. If you do it really well and you give us a lot to unpack, we will. Because we can. Yeah. And And we did. And we did. (laughs) Hooray. Go team us. So uh, with that said... We'll uh, we'll we'll cap it here. Bit of a, again a bit of a shorter yeah. episode this week, but that's okay. I'm sure that the next episode will have much more to talk about because we'll get into some actual plot. Look, if he's going to give us a little teaser chapter, we're going to make a little teaser episode. Yeah. With that said, you'll want to read up on chapter one in time for next week, mm-hmm. as for, will we for our discussion on that. And in the meantime, um, you might want to consider supporting the people who support the Alberta Podcast Network, because that in turn supports us. 
The Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, is happy to be partnering with Seat Giant to offer you a deal on tickets to major sporting events, big concerts, popular theatre throughout North America, and more. Whether you're at home or on vacation, check Seat Giants for tickets to the hottest events. Visit SeatGiant.ca to find tickets. Use the promo code APN at checkout to get 5% off your purchase. You'll save a bit, and the network gets a little cut of that purchase too. All tickets are in Canadian dollars, even for events that are in the U.S. Seat Giant is Canadian-owned and operated, and it guarantees every ticket. So, help yourself to a great experience while helping the Alberta Podcast Network and Canadian-owned business. Visit SeatGiant.ca and use the offer code APN. Yeah, that's a great way to support us and support the network and uh, get an opportunity to see a great show or two. Yeah, you get a coupon. We, The network gets a kickback. We continue to get support. Yeah. That is a win-win-win. It is wins all the way down. <laughs> uh, while you're doing all that winning, you might consider heading over to your podcatcher of choice and uh, checking out... Any of the other members of the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, there are also so many podcasts. Also available on the CKUA app where we are generously hosted. Or really anywhere you catch your pods. Indeed. While you're there, you might also consider giving us a favorable rating. Five stars. <laughs> Assuming you like us. Write up a write up a little review. Uh, that's generally good for us as it helps our visibility and yeah. uh, and supports our podcast. So if you like it, that's uh, that's a good way to show your support and your love. We we appreciate feedback. Yeah, if you want to give us feedback, you can do so on social media. Yes. Uh, pick your poison. We have uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we're on Goodreads. Yeah, not too much activity on Goodreads still, but uh, There was day now. some. It was nice. Yeah, a little bit. Look, the option is there for anyone who wants to use it's it. It's true. If you're an avid Goodreads user, we are there. Uh, mm. It's wide open for anybody who wants to join, and uh, you can have some good discussion on the books we're reading. <laughs> Just try not to be too spoilery. Yeah. Uh, if you don't choose to go the social media route, you can send us an email. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned we're at the read-along at all the social medias. Uh, we always forget that part. I'm so sorry. We are definitely the read-along at gmail.com if you want to send us a lengthier message. Scott still promises to read them. And as always, we'll see you next time. More book. Pro City. <sighs> Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Oh.